Blog Talk Radio. Well, good afternoon, everybody. This is Stephen McCarthy from the McCarthy Project, and I am very excited uh, about today's uh, show, uh, I guess show or, or short. Uh, just want to hit and touch on the subject of perfection in sports. One of the things that I think that I see a lot of young people is that they are really not enjoying the process of life. They're not enjoying the process of working uh, through sport as a young person, or they think that this idea of perfection, if they're more perfect, that they'll be a better athlete. And I really do think that, that it's a myth. And one of the things that um, we see is a lot of young athletes going on the uh, emotional roller coaster up and down, up and down, uh, based on uh, on a play-by-play basis. And I have asked, and we'll be having in a little bit, uh, Coach David Rubio, uh, who is the uh, University of Arizona head volleyball coach, uh, he's been a coach for over 30 years. I uh, probably uh, I've taped the interview earlier, so I'm very excited. I don't think we need to add anything more to this uh, interview because I really think that he takes a great idea. He takes and he talks it through about the emotions and the things that happen and how your perspective. Uh, and trying to be perfect uh, really does affect your play. Um, you may be the greatest athlete uh, in the world, but if your mind isn't right, uh, you're not able to produce the results. And then secondly, um, this idea that if you coach asks you to do something, that you're going to do it absolutely more perfect than somebody else. Uh, when there might be an opportunity in another place, do you uh, have uh, the ability to see what's going on and make a change. So we talk about this. We'll be coming back after the break, and we'll be talking with uh, Coach Rubio on this idea of perfection in sport. Good afternoon. This is Stephen McCarthy from the McCarthy Project, and we have been talking about this concept of perfection. And I think it's probably one of the most curious subjects to me because so many young athletes feel that the more perfect they are, the better athlete they'll be. 
And while I do feel it's a myth, I do feel that there needs to be some information behind it. And we've been talking about this over the last couple of weeks. And today I have um, David Rubio, who is the uh, head volleyball coach for Arizona. And we're going to be talking about this idea of perfection and how is it properly placed in a young athlete's mind so they don't drive themselves nuts trying to be a great athlete, you know, and uh, thinking that if I'm more perfect than somebody else, then obviously I should be the one to play and all the different uh, sub, uh, I guess, subtitles to this old idea of uh, being more perfect makes me a better player. So how are you doing today, David? I'm good. I'm good. I, You know, it's the sunshine down here in Tucson. It's a little chilly out for us. Uh, we're probably in the upper 40s, uh, but at least the sunshine, and we've had a lot of snow, a little bit of snow on the mountains above my house, and uh, but everything's pretty good. Yes. Did you happen to watch the Viking game yesterday? Uh, you know, it, it was uh, – my son was playing in a tournament, uh, a capture the flag, believe it or not, which <laughs> I haven't – you know, I, when he told me that, I'm like, God, are they still playing that, you know? But anyway, I was down there and kind of going back and forth to the game, and because it was so cold outside, I ended up going running home a few times, put more layers of clothing on, and <laughs> – I just caught, there was enough, you know, like five minutes left to play in the fourth quarter. And so I was riveted, of course, to the game. And I have a lot of, you know, I have a player on my team that's currently a, you know, from Minnesota and a huge Vikings fan and a lot of friends here in Tucson that are from Minnesota. So, I mean, it was just agonizing just watching uh, uh, the Blair Witch Project miss a field goal, you know. I mean, uh, it was just, just uh, yeah, it was really sad for those guys. And the funny thing is that the, and my wife and I were talking after is like, think about this. You played for three hours in the cold, froze your butt off, you know, and then, and then, uh, unfortunately something like that happens, but nonetheless, how, uh, how, how cold was it? How, how, I mean, I, I did, was I minus 27 on. with the wind. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I, I it's hard to even imagine functioning in that, in that type of, <laughs> And their arms start turning red. You know that uh, it's getting cold, and it's not because they're wow. getting hit, you know, by people. Right. You know, I mean, I, I, I grew up watching Bud Grant, you know, standing there on the sidelines, uh, you know, in a t-shirt. I mean, when it was, you know, 32 degrees or below. I mean, it was just amazing watching him. It is. It is. All right. So you heard my little introduction. You know, related to this idea of if I'm if I play perfect, you know that I'll be the one that everybody picks, or I'm going to be the better athlete, or whatever kind of subtitle you want to put on that, or, or thought below that. Before we get started, what is your concept? You know, do you agree with that statement, or is it something that you view perfection differently? Well, there's no such thing as perfection. I mean, that that's the you know, I think people logically look at that and say that it's, an, it's impossible to be perfect. And, you know, the, I think that, you know, my daughter is a, is a good example of a perfectionist and how at times it puts obstacles in front of her ability to be the athlete that she can be. And and they become so, you know, upset and frustrated with themselves because they're not performing at the level that they think they should be performing at, uh, that it really prevents them from being a good teammate, prevents them from being coachable, 
prevents them from being able to play with the freedom of a line to play at the level they're capable of. So, I mean, there's a lot of issues with perfectionism, you know, with kids who, who really are wired like that, like my daughter. You know, she's a, and I, and I don't know, I don't know if it's true, but, you know, my daughter's a firstborn, and she's playing volleyball, and I'm coaching her club team. <laughs> and she can she can really, you know, and I'm like, will you lighten up a little bit, please? You know, and and, and I got a couple kids on my team that are like that as well. And they, you know, what I call redline, I mean, you know, they just redline it and they, and they can't function. You know, so there's, there's I think there's way more drawbacks uh, and about perfectionism and kids trying to be perfect than there are any benefits to it. And the thing that's interesting about it is that when you look at it, there also is a thing called being efficient, you know what I mean? And how do you play efficiently and how do you improve? And, and that's where practice comes in. So kind of give us the kind of like that, you know, perfection versus being efficient or practicing to get better. How do you balance that off? Well, I think there's self-awareness, I think, is the, is the greatest teaching tool that an athlete can have. You know, and and being efficient is have the ability to to be self aware in my my book in terms of that. And you got to educate your players. And you know, this is the first year I've coached a club team, a 13 and under club team since 1985. All right, so it's been a long time since I've been down in the club ranks, and I'm really enjoying the process. But coaching this particular level has certainly opened my eyes to and has made me a better coach for my collegiate team. And that self-awareness that I'm speaking about is teaching them how to be efficient, how to put their mind. And really it's more about, in my, you know, my evaluation is how the type of self-talk that they have, the dialogue that they're having with themselves in terms of being efficient. We all understand as coaches that there's going to be mistakes, we all understand that kids are going to be out of position and fundamentally they're maybe not having the right mechanics and whatever skill they're trying to perform. Um, and yet it's going to be their ability to be self-aware enough to know that they're in the wrong position or their arm swing's not tracking the right way or whatever it may be, and they're self-aware enough to make that change later on. Uh, and so to me, those are the things. When I talk about efficiency, that's what I like about kids players who are able to play within themselves, be self-aware enough to know what they're, where they are and what they need to do, and then be able to form the skill. And then let, let it go. I mean, that's the, you know, perfectionists tend to be the type of people who hang on to things for too, way too long, and it affects what they're going to do the very next play. Um, now, efficient players no, tend to – I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. It, it's funny because I want to just talk – totally change the direction, but there's – this concept of the coach calls this play, okay? This is the play he wants. This is where he wants the ball to go, okay? But there's a wide-open window across the court, and it's like the easiest point ever. What would you recommend to the perfectionist in making that decision? Well, the perfectionist is going to do exactly what the coach tells him to do yes. or her to do. You know, the the other player is going to see the situation and evaluate the situation and say, this is a better situation than what the coach, the play the coach just played. So I'm setting this particular person. You yep. know, so 
and that's really what you want. You, you want autonomy. You know, <laughs> you, you don't. I don't think there's any coach. A good coach really wants their players to be so regimented and structured where, you know, they don't have the ability to make decisions on their own when it's you know, when it's time to do that. And then I think that's, that that needs to be taught also. I mean, if you're so dogmatic within your coaching style that that you prevent your players from being able to to be autonomous, then that'll never happen, you know. But I think there's always exceptions to every single rule, and <laughs> those exceptions happen. Right? Those exceptions happen throughout the game, and so I think it's important to understand that and try to train your kids. Like, look, in this situation, you got to forget what I just told you. And you need to do this. You know, and those things occur, you know, those things need to occur in practice. And that, and I tell you, one of the great things about coaching the 13 and unders, which is the, the age group I'm coaching with my daughter, you know, is that there's no – I'm getting the first opportunity to coach without carrying the burden of having to win where my job is on the line. Yes. You know, and so it's, a one, it's very refreshing to be able to, you know, coach at this age group and the opportunity to – you know, not to worry about the mistakes or the wins that particular win or loss is going to either going to make or break my season or my job security or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. See, it's interesting when you talk about that because, you know, when let's, let's kind of come at it from that angle. It does, when you're looking at the game of volleyball and you bring in, um, you know, your 15 to 18 players, and your 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 task is to put them together as a team as cohesive as you can and, and play at a high level. And then you've got the younger team where you're essentially doing the same thing. Those people that show up at college are are have already been trained by eight years of other coaches. How would you say to start properly at the younger age? What are the things that you would recommend to do so that when they show up, they have this balance, you know, in – an ability to see things, but yet also listen. You know, I'm on a really steep learning curve <laughs> here with my 13 and under team. And, <laughs> you know, and I, it's really been an interesting process for me. And and I didn't think about this when I first decided to coach my daughter's team. But as I'm going through it, because I, I've, been, I've been doing it for about four weeks now, so it, I haven't had a lot of time with them. Uh, but, you know, the it's been we we went this is the age group as I'm discovering that volleyball becomes a lot more challenging, and it's because the information and it is here in town. I don't know what it's like in, in Minnesota where volleyball I think is probably a lot more popular, and so they, the the kids tend to stand the kids tend to start earlier, but here mm-hmm. in Tucson the, the from the twelves to the thirteens is kind of the one age group where now the kids are assigned a position. They need to know how to switch. They need to know base release. There's a much more systematic way that they got to play versus when they're in 12, they just rotate and they play the position they're in. There's no switching. There's no base release. They just bump the ball back and forth over the net. You know, there's mm-hmm. no pass that attack. So it's a lot. This age group is a lot, I think, where it's remedial, and then you're trying to accelerate them quickly, where in Phoenix – they're they're probably two years advanced from us. Their twelve year olds are probably doing what we're doing right now. And so uh-huh. we're behind the curve. Uh so you, you know, I think that 
again, if you talk to me in a month, I have a much better answer for you. <laughs> but what what I am though, you know, I, the things that I say to my my thirteens team isn't that much different than what I say to my college team. And, and the things that I'm teaching from a fundamental standpoint isn't any different than what I'm teaching my college team. Now, my college team, fortunately, is able to execute at a much higher level, yes. you know, and they're a lot more consistent. But let me tell you, from an emotional standpoint and from a coach, you know, work habit standpoint, it's really, there's not that much difference. And, I, I'm, you know, I started coaching at the middle school level and went to club and was a high school coach, then Division two coach, and then, you know, here at U of A. So the 30 years that I coach, you know, it's been all relative in terms of those kind of things, the mental habit stuff and the work ethic stuff, you're, you're really sending the same, same message, messages regardless of the age group that you're working with. Well, I think that probably, I have to admit, that was probably, I know we had talked about getting done in about 20 minutes here, and I do want to thank you for your time, but is there any other things that you would like to add, kind of to summarize this idea of how do you be uh uh, how do you use this idea of getting better and being efficient versus being a perfectionist? You know, there's, I think that just if you can, perfectionism is good in some respects as well. I mean, I, I don't, I think kids who have a really high expectation of themselves uh, is is a driving factor of them becoming really good. And, yep. and I think the balance that they're that you're trying to strike between their mindset and them beating themselves up because they're not, you know, performing at the level that they think they should be performing is a real, it's a real mind game for kids. And I think the coach has a real, has a, has a big role in trying to take them down the right road in terms of how to talk to themselves, how that self-talk is, you know, is that language that they're saying. And I say that to my younger team and my college team as well. It's like, you would never allow me to speak to you the way as harshly as you're speaking to yourself, you know. And those are the kind of things that I think that coaches have a big role in in regards to their ability to manage their perfectionism. Cool. Well, just to want to thank you, David. I mentioned up here. I think you probably are one of the uh, gentlemen of the sport. It's enjoyable to talk. This is the second time I've chatted with you, and. I feel like we could sit down and have a cup of coffee for an hour, if that's uh, – I really <laughs> well, do thank you for your time. Well, anything that I can do, you know, I'm always available. So, I, I, again, I apologize for not being uh, – you know, having been on time here. So, But let me know if there's anything in the future I can do, with, do for you. Perfect. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. back. Uh, again, thank you for listening to the show today. Uh, if you would like more information about the McCarthy Project, our website is themccarthyproject.com, all spelled out. 
uh, again, thank you for taking the time, and we'll be back uh, next week with uh, some additional interviews and some additional thoughts on how you can attain this idea called elite performance uh, in sports. So thank you all for listening, and again, check out our website. 